0: Okay, good evening everyone. Let me uh, start by opening us in prayer. Well, Father, we thank you for, again, the privilege of studying your word. Thank you for keeping us safe over the Easter break. And uh, we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be with us as we study your word. Show us more of Christ and um, you know, help us to be to be holy, to apply these truths in our lives and to learn the lessons from Israel's mistakes and to also imitate them where they we're faithful to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we're going to do Joshua. And then we'll take a break and do uh, Judges and Ruth. So we finished the, the first five books. Remember, that's the Pentateuch or the Torah. The first five books, the books of <coughs> Moses uh, that really gave us the primeval history of the world and then uh, the history of the patriarchs and then the history of Israel as God delivers them and they're in the wilderness and we ended off with them ready to go into the promised land, into the land of Canaan. And that brings us to to Joshua. So Joshua is um, Moses' prodigy. And he's the one who takes over from Moses. You can see in chapter one, verse one, uh, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, <clears throat> Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them. So, just just some geography. We'll we'll draw the map frequently because it's important to know the map of of Israel and the world at that time. It helps a lot when you, when you can, can picture it in your mind's eye. This is the Mediterranean Sea. Over here is Egypt. And uh, we have the Jordan River, the Lake of Galilee, Jordan River, the Dead Sea. And Israel is on this side, on the eastern side of the Jordan River. Uh, Jerusalem is around about there. And Jericho is about here. So they're all camped on this eastern side, ready to go over into, cross over the Jordan River. Uh, Moses has died, and, and now Joshua is taking over. Um, we, we're not sure when it was written Uh, The author frequently says things like, to this day, this, you know, this altar is with us to this day, or these people are still with us to this day. So it's not written at the time of Joshua, it is written later, but we don't know exactly when. Um, Yeah, I remember reading as a a young Christian, you know, whenever I read those sort of statements to this day, I was like, wow, even to this day, those things are still there. (laughs) Uh, Not thinking it's the author's time. Uh, so don't expect to find those those altars now or those rocks now. Uh, it's at the time of the, the author. So we don't know exactly uh, when it was written, when it was completed, maybe only in the time of the exile, so during the time of Daniel, something like that, but we're just not, not certain. The type of genre, so remember that's very important when we're reading the Scriptures to know what genre it is, what type of literature it is. Uh, so it's theological history. So uh, we're being told what happens to Israel here. There are accounts of battles and uh, things that happen. So it's a lot of narrative, but it's theological in nature. Uh, it's teaching us certain things. Um, now those battles are in actual history as well, right? Yes, yes, yes. So all that stuff there is actually backed up by worldly history as well. So, so uh, not... Ne- well... <coughs> So, that's really to do with archaeology. Uh, So, archaeologists uh, study. So, for example, when they get to Jericho, remember what happens? The walls collapse and then they burn it to the ground. Um, So, archaeologists have found Jericho and... They've discovered certain things. But remember, archaeologists are not neutral. It's not as though when you find a stone in the ground, it's going to tell you a perfect story. It's all interpretation. And so often archaeologists will interpret in such a way as to deny the Bible. Um, But, uh, yes, certainly uh, this is God's word. Uh, These things uh, really happened. Okay, so chapter one is where Mo, where Joshua gets his marching orders, and it's really quite an incredible parallel to Matthew twenty-eight, to the Great Commission. So Matthew, uh, sorry, Joshua is given his commission, and there are similarities to Matthew twenty-eight. So uh, you can see there that in uh, verse five. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And remember, the Lord says that to his disciples. I will be with you to the end of the age. Uh, One phrase that's repeated frequently is, uh, look at verse 6, Be strong and courageous. Only be strong and courageous. Verse 7. Verse nine, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous, so you can imagine that the Lord is telling him this because he 's afraid it 's a fearful thing they 're going to go now into this land that they 've been told about for decades, uh, and already remember we saw the spies who went in they said these these we're, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. you know what are we going to do? And so the Lord is encouraging uh, uh, Joshua. He's promised to be with him just as he's promised to be with us as we go out and fulfill his great commission to us. Um, <clears throat> verse 7. Only be strong and be very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left. So he's told to, uh, to obey the commandments. And remember what the Lord Jesus Uh, tells his disciples, he says, teach them to obey all the things that I have told you. Everything that I've taught you, teach them to obey. We are to obey God's commands, just as Joshua is told to obey Moses' commands. Um, uh, Verse 2, they have to go over the Jordan River, and that's really a type of baptism, um, crossing over the Jordan River, The Jordan River, the water opens up the same as the water opened up uh, by the Red Sea. So remember, when they left Egypt, the Red Sea opened up. Now the Jordan also opens up. It's quite interesting. So we have got the Red Sea down here and the Jordan River here that opens up. Uh, What we also find in the life of Jesus is that often his movements... Parallel the movements of Israel. So we find Jesus at his baptism in the Jordan River. Uh, so he's in the he gets baptized in the Jordan River. Then he goes into the. anyone remember? Straight after his baptism? Into the wilderness. He goes into the wilderness or Uh, 40 days. Uh, Israel crosses the Red Sea and goes into the wilderness for 40 years. And then they come to the Jordan River. After 40 days, Jesus comes back to the Jordan River. So um, it's sort of symbolic. He starts with the the river, wilderness, river. Israel also started with river, wilderness, river. He comes back to a river and starts choosing his disciples. There's 12 disciples, 12 apostles, uh, again reminding us the 12 tribes of Israel. And so we see even in the life of Jesus, he follows the sort of pattern of of Israel. Remember, he also went down into Egypt as a a baby. Uh, It's because Jesus Christ is the true Israelite. He is the ultimate Israelite. Where where Israel failed, and every person that we've looked at all the way along, remember we we're looking for a serpent crusher, they all fail. Jesus goes through the same tests and trials, but without failure. Uh, he perfectly uh, fulfills the, the law. Um, okay, so... Um, now, you might be thinking, okay, but what about making disciples? Well, the, he's told to go and destroy the Canaanites. Okay, so um, And uh, one of that, that's sort of, an, when you read Old Testament passages where the enemies of God are being put to death and destroyed, it's hard to say, okay, well, how does this apply to me today? We know that we are not to go around spreading the kingdom with the sword. Um, we're not called to do that. Remember, Jesus even said to Peter, yeah, my kingdom is not of this world. Um, and we uh, told Pilate, hey, if if my kingdom were of this world, my followers would fight. Okay, So we don't spread the gospel through the sword. And yet here they're fighting and putting people to death. As we mentioned last time, this was judicial. The people in Canaan were being judged by God. It wasn't a constant thing that they must just keep on killing people and Growing the empire, it was just this one area where they were being judged. But what does it mean for us well uh, in in salvation, the old man is put to death. the old man is destroyed. Paul says that in in Romans he says that we died with Christ, the old man is put to death. so when someone is converted, it's like their their old man has been killed, their old nature. Our old Canaanite or Philistine nature has been put to death. As we go and make disciples, as people are converted, they are uh, their old nature is being put to death, and so it is a destruction. Even in fighting sin, we are continuing to put to death that old nature. Uh, and then, verse nine again: I am, I am with you. So, Joshua, right at the beginning, God is saying, "Don't be afraid. I'm with you. I won't forsake you." obey my commandments, go, be strong and courageous. And that's still true for us today. Uh, it is a fearful thing to go and make disciples, to evangelize, to uh, yeah, to bear one another's burdens, to fight sin, all of those things. But we have the promise that the Lord is with us and uh, we are to be strong and courageous because he is with us and He will he will never drop us. Okay, so... Uh, we then have in chapter 2 the story of Rahab hiding the spies. And um, uh, this is in Jericho. And she becomes a, a believer. She, she says, um, verse 11, And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted about what happened in Egypt and all of those things. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord, and uh, there it's Lord in capitals. What is Lord in capitals? Adonai is Lord, capital L. That means master. Uh, Yahweh. Yahweh. It's God's covenant name. So she's even using God's covenant name for the Lord, for Jehovah, Mm -hmm. your God. He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. And, um, and so she says, please protect me. And, uh, she is, she is saved, and in fact, she is brought into the lineage of Jesus Christ. Uh, she is, she is in the line of Christ, even though she was a Canaanite, uh, she was a prostitute, uh, but she she is saved. She believes, and and uh, she's mentioned in the in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. It's glorious. Okay. Um Okay, so then they cross the Jordan in chapter three, uh, and they establish a memorial there. and then they're circumcised, chapter five. and that's not you know that's not a wise thing to do from a human perspective. You remember we saw with uh, Levi and Simeon when their sister had been been raped and then but the the man had had loved her and wanted to to marry her and then the brothers had said no ways you know we'll do sort of a con on them if you guys get circumcised then you'll be okay and uh, after they got circumcised they went in and killed them sorry they killed the whole village they did yeah Yeah. and um, uh, it wasn't good it actually resulted in sort of a, a, a curse on them because of their violence. But the whole point is. When, a, when, because when they're circumcised. They're incapacitated. They're in pain. They can't fight. So here, here they are. Just They've crossed the river. Jordan River. They're right outside Jericho. They're in the land of Canaan. And God says. circumcise Every male circumcised. Because they had not been circumcised. Quite interesting. Uh, the generation that came out of Egypt. They were circumcised but then they hadn't continued to do that to their children. Um, and so now the Lord tells them to get circumcised. And then, again, on a human level, it's a foolish, uh, military tactic. It's a blunder, but you have to trust God. Uh, sometimes there are things in life where God, this seems pretty silly. Okay. <laughs> this doesn't seem like the wisest thing. This doesn't seem to make sense humanly, but I'm going to trust you. Um, and so they're, they're circumcised there. And um, and they, they celebrate their first Passover in Canaan. And look at verse 13 of chapter 5. Very interesting account. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Okay, so... He's he's just checking out Jericho and then he sees this man with a sword. And so Joshua goes up to him and says, you know, whose side are you on? Are you for us or are you for them? And look at the response. And he said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, "Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy." Okay, so who do you think this person is from the text? Jesus. Yeah, I would argue it's it's the Lord Jesus. Man's in capital letters, yes. Yes, that's an interpret. That's that's the the translators are putting um, no. that putting that in. That's well, an end. angel
1: would say. The ground is holy,
0: About carrying... He would have said, stand up, I'm not... I'm not. Yeah, excellent. Everyone get that? So, uh, we have times where, where men do fall down before angels, and the angels say, don't worship <coughs> me. okay, mm-hmm. Because they're just angels. So, any person who receives worship must be God. okay. And so, this is the Lord. And one of the themes that we find here in... Joshua, and this is very important, and it's a theme that's not uh, frequently dealt with, um, or I don't think it's dealt with enough. Maybe is the the, the theme of God as the divine warrior. And so the Bible has this picture of God as the divine warrior. Here he is standing with a sword. And remember how often it is that God says he will fight for Israel. Okay. Um, and so it's important for us to remember that our God is a warrior. Okay. Uh, when Jesus came to earth, uh, you know, you don't see him you know, going around killing people. But he was fighting sin, wasn't he? Okay, and That's the hardest thing to fight, um, is to fight sin. Uh, this divine warrior is Jesus as well. Yes. He's the Lord's army. The Lord of hosts, yeah. yeah. The, um, uh, Winston Churchill, when he was uh, fighting in Afghanistan, and he also fought here, in, well, he was a journalist in the Boer War. But he said, uh, you never feel more alive than when you've been shot at. Okay? So, um, he well, he, enjoyed, he enjoyed seeking glory and fighting. But, the, nobody. I, I don't think anyone falls asleep while they've been shot at. Okay? Yeah. Yet, remember what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. What happened to the disciples? They fell, they fell asleep. Isn't it amazing when in spiritual warfare... It's the opposite, isn't it? Uh, remember, Jesus has to say to them, "Couldn't you watch and pray?" The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. When Satan attacks us the most, it's not that we we, we are more alert and we are more vigilant and adrenaline's going. We become more docile and capitulate. Uh, and Jesus never ever gave into sin. He was tempted in every point like we are. Uh, Worse than us, like he was tempted directly by Satan in the wilderness, which we'll get to, and all of this imagery of wilderness and Israel failing. And he never ever failed. He was fighting. Uh, he was fighting doubts. He was fighting temptation. And um, I remember hearing an analogy. So, Joe sure Bayman will, will will like it. But he, this person used the analogy of someone holding a weight. You know, uh, weightlifting. So so when you pick it up, and you pick it up, and you're like, it's too much, and you drop it. Or the person who lifts it and holds it and holds it until the buzzer goes, because that's what they do. Who has fought harder? The one who's held it. Okay. Uh, we are so often, we're like, oh, I can't do this, and we, we give in. But Christ holds it. He fights every temptation until he overcame, overcame it. And he was fully human, like us. Uh, he was tempted to sinful anger. he was tempted to lust, he was tempted to pride. he was tempted to not trust the father uh, and so he is a warrior, uh, and of course he ultimately he will come on a white horse and destroy his his enemies as well. So Joshua is a type of Christ, even his name, you know what Jesus Hebrew name is, okay, his real name, yeah. Yeshua, it's Joshua, Yeshua, okay, Jesus is a Greek version of, of that, but um, he's, he's Joshua, okay. it's Joshua. Uh, so Joshua is going to point us to, to Christ, not perfectly, uh, not so by any say
1: you pray in the name of Jesus and you you cast out know, demons or or not and it says uh, uh, demons will flee by the sound of his name, so now we say Jesus, what name are they going to run from? Jesus, Joshua, Yewa?
0: <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think those things are, are are literal. I don't think they're to be taken literally. But it's it's what what uh, that means is you pray in the, when you, when you talk about the name. Um, it means the character of. So you pray according to God's will, according to His character. It's not a magic sort of. If you don't say in Jesus' name, it's not going to work, because that's superstition. Um, really? It's 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 according to His character. Um, so, uh, but we'll 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 look at that as we as we go along. But name names. Remember names point to character frequently in the Bible. We've already seen that with Jacob and. Um, and the same with, with Jesus. Jesus means Savior. Um, so he, he saves his people. But but remember, God is above those things. It's not that unless you pronounce it correctly or something like that, then um, Jesus even quotes from the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which differs from the Hebrew. But he's happy to tr- use the translation. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, now, what's it's quite something here. I love this passage because Jesus, notice what Joshua said. Whose side are you on? Okay. And how does how does the Lord respond? Neither. You see, you don't. It's a, we try and co-opt Jesus onto our side. Okay. Uh, that's not how he works. That's not you. Either on God's side or you're against him. It's not. I'm going to get God on my side. Okay. Uh, you know, people, we often we often make plans like I'm going to do this and this and this and then we say Lord please bless my plans okay. <laughs> we haven't really asked God God what is your will for my life how does this fit with what you've revealed in scripture we've sort of made our whole life plan and then we just say okay God you just come and join my side and tag on to it um, so we um, so he's on neither of the sides he's not God's not on people's side you're either on his side He's not, he, he doesn't join a side. He is God, and you either get on his side. So he says, no, I'm the captain of the Lord's army. You need to, Joshua, I'm not on your side. You need to be on my side. Uh, so, um, God is not, you know, a genie who works for us. God no, listen to you, listen to Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, then Jericho falls, and it's, it's a... um. You know the, the story, I'm sure. Um, they walk around the city, uh, and then the seventh day, and notice it's quite interesting, the seventh day, what day would that be? Day of rest. Day of rest. And yet that's the day that they fight on. So... they uh, um, they I don't know if you know uh, sort of recent history in the Middle East, but the Six-Day War... The um, the the countries around Israel attacked Israel on the day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Mm-hmm. They attacked them on their most holy day because they they knew that they would be less prepared, um, and and probably thinking, well, that it's like a Sabbath, so they're not going to to fight. But what we see here is war- warfare doesn't stop for for holy days, okay. Um, and that's still true for us, okay. I'm sure you've experienced that. It's not as though you never get tempted on Sundays. Like <laughs> we can just nice. we can just relax on Sundays. It's often worse, isn't it? More temptations to 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 um to fight. We're more likely to have fights on Sundays. We're more likely to get irritated on Sundays. All of those things. So warfare for us is is twenty four seven, seven days a week. But the time is coming when when. There will be perfect rest. Okay, no more temptation. But they, they fight on, on the Sabbath. They fight on the Sabbath. They def- destroy Jericho on the Sabbath. And they're told to not take anything. Everything is to be destroyed. Okay. Young and old. Human, animal, everything. They're not even allowed to take clothing or gold or silver. It is all to be, to, to be committed to God. This first conquest is to say, uh, God is in control. I'm going to trust him. We're not even going to take anything. Uh, We're going to trust God and we're going to uh, put everyone to death, everything to death, and burn the city to the ground and not take anything for for ourselves. Uh, And remember, again, as I said, this is a a righteous judgment of God. This is not um, just... God being vindictive or something like that. Uh, the, the Canaanites had become so, so wicked and vile. Okay. Um, and maybe someone thinks, okay, but what about uh, children? Um, again, in Scripture, there is always this corporate aspect um, that the Bible never sees us as standing separate from our family or our community, uh, we are we are all united in this. But I will say this: that I do believe that those who die uh, young belong to the Lord. Okay, so um, it's it's definitely clear if there's a believing parent that they are they are with the Lord in heaven. That's 1 Corinthians 7 says they're clean. David's example, remember when David sins with Bathsheba and she she's pregnant, and then the son dies. Remember that? And David says, Well, he won't come to me, but I will go to him. And so David knew I'll see him. I will go to him one day, but I won't see him. He's not coming to me now. He's died. And it's quite something because David is fasting at that time. The moment the news comes, your son has died. He gets up, washes his face, goes and has a meal. Okay. He's like, okay. The Lord's decided. He won't come to me now, but I will go to him. Yeah. I will see him again. Um, and the other, the re- so that's for believers. The reason I also believe that, that uh, those that die in infancy or uh, miscarriages or from a young age is because... Um, Throughout the scriptures, nobody is ever damned because of original sin or the sin of Adam. People are always judged for their own sin. Okay. So we always find that that those with understanding are then judged for what they they have done. So that's just something that I, I hold to that. And then also that God is going to get a people from every nation, every tribe, every ethnic group. So you know that there's been nations that have come into existence and gone out of existence without ever hearing the gospel uh the Aztecs or some you know some some tribes we you know we don't know about how did God get people from those those nations, those tribes? well, I believe those that died in infancy, or even also those who are mentally retarded, not able to understand so mentally like a child mm-hmm. um I believe they also belong to the Lord. Okay. And I also think the reason the Bible doesn't come out and say that is because if it said that there would be a lot of people doing shootings of young people and thinking they're doing the Lord's work because you know how people would <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they would go crazy like yeah. blowing up Lowery schools years. and yeah they already t- why, why kids do uh, Yeah, that's exactly what they're Okay. Um. <coughs> Sorry, Mr. my. Yes. Just, um with that a little bit could that be um,
2: um used to justify infant baptism do you think somebody can can look at that and say well i mean if this little one dies anyway they go to the lord you know what i mean even
0: though there's no professional faith um, yeah so uh, um i think infant baptism. Historically, like in Roman Catholicism, some forms of Presbyterianism has been, if they're not baptized and they die, they're not going to go to heaven. Right. So they're they're almost saying, look, we better baptize them to make sure they, they're clean so they can go to heaven. Um, and again, that contradicts scripture because we're not saved by, by baptism. Um, uh, you know, I think that There is a, you know, remember John the Baptist, while he's in his mother's womb, he he responds. There's a type of faith there that he has, even in his mother's womb. Um, Now, this is not a hill to die on for me. If if I get to heaven and find it's different, God is just, I know that. But whenever you do find judgment in Scripture, whenever it's always, whenever it's the judgment of God, like in eternity and hell and those things, it's always based on what you have done. The sins you have committed. Okay, it's never based well. The original sin. You're born in Adam, therefore you're going to hell. Okay, um, it's always God is just. People people will be judged for what they have done wrong. Um, Sorry, Mike.
2: One yes. question from me, and then we've got uh, some someone on online uh, there. So I'm just struggling with that also from a point of missions, because uh, now it's like what's the point then of going to those unreached people groups or, you know, far with, you know, we can just trust that, like you said, in their
0: infancy or because it is. Because they don't all die in infancy. Okay. So, very few, you know, it's a small percentage. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Mm. If they all died in infancy, then they wouldn't last very long as a, as a tribe. And then, okay. but yeah, so, um, and also because God tells us to do it, so yeah. that's also <laughs> All right, we've got a question from online uh, for Clary. Uh, does Luke
2: eighteen sixteen also apply, uh, or is it just an analogy?
0: Is <coughs> that coming to me, little children, or um, hey, Luke eighteen sixteen? Yeah, sixteen. Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, truly, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Uh, So verse 15, Now they were bringing even infants to him, that he might touch them, and when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Um, Yeah, I think there might be something there to to say. um, The Lord is saying, Don't... Bring your children to me. Okay. Um, now, it's a, what I'm saying is not that all children are saved and then they get a certain age and then they're not saved. I'm saying that those that die in infancy are elect. Okay. See the difference? Yeah. I'm not saying like all these all kids are like, are they on their way to heaven if they die soon enough sort of thing? <laughs> it's, they, it's not that they're saved and they, they lose it. Uh, The way one of the ways God gets his elect is through
1: um, the uh, way I understood it in years past was uh, if they died before that point of where they knew right from wrong, like literally knew this is right, that's wrong. Yeah, before that point, so they're basically like six, seven years old, after like seven, eight, they start to like understand what wrong is.
0: Yeah, I think that people who talk about an age of understanding. Yeah. Um So, I, I would I think that there's something to that. I've always understood has been like that. Yeah. It's up to about seven
1: or six, seven years old. Yeah. And then they start to, and they start to do naughty things and they know they're doing it
0: naughty things. Yeah. So kids are not. It's not that they don't do naughty things. They certainly do from young. Yeah. But is the understanding there, mm. and so, so I don't have all the answers on. You know this age or that age or any of those things. All I know is God is just and that when we do see him judging, it's always based on specific sins that people have committed. Okay, so, so God is just in his judgment of, of the, everyone in Jericho. But you remember that someone did not listen. So in the fall of Jericho, there is a Canaanite and her family who now become part of the people of God, Rahab and her family. And there is an Israelite, and his family, who are now cut off. And so Achan, whose name is quite close to Canaan, actually, in the, the root. So it might even be a play that the author is sort of, this guy in his heart is like a Canaanite. Mm-hmm. Because he saw the gold and the silver and the clothing and he, he took it for himself. Um, the reason they find out is because they go on to the next city, the city of Ai, a much smaller city, and they don't consult the Lord. So in, what we start to see here is like us, and God commanded, he told them, when you go out to battle, speak to me first. Okay? You must come and talk to me, cons- you know, find out from me first, but they didn't do that. They thought, oh, we won this one. That's a small one. We'll just send a few of our guys. And they get beaten, okay? And people die. So again, they believe the Lord's on their side. Yes. Instead of coming to God humbly. And I mean, that's also like us because pride comes before a fall. We we think, oh, I'm doing quite well in the Christian life. It's, yeah, I think I've got this. I don't know why people complain so much. <laughs> and then the next day we fall on our faces. Um, and that's what Israel does here, yeah. even under Joshua. Uh, he, 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 And then... Uh, they, they they get uh, defeated and um, um, yeah verse 6 of chapter 7 then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord and alas O Lord God why have you brought this people up he's really um And look at verse ten. The Lord said to Joshua, "Get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. Okay, stop whining. (laughs) This is why this has happened. Israel has sinned, and uh, Achan is taken and is his whole his whole household, his animals and everything. They're stoned to death and then burnt, and then a pile of stones is placed there as a reminder. Okay, Uh, and so." Was not supposed to take anything. Then they go out and they fight AI, and the Lord gives them a tactic, you know. And there's there's deceit involved. They they sort of pretend to run away and all these things. But God gives them, gives them victory. Um. Uh, then again, they don't learn their lesson. The Gibeonites come. They pretend to be from far away. They say, "Can you make peace with us?" And they say, you know, how do we know where you're from? No, we're from far away. Look at this bread. It's all moldy. When we left, it was fresh. Look at our shoes. When we left, they were... And they, and they, again, it says they did not consult the Lord. And they make a treaty and they say, we won't hurt you. And then they find out, wait, the Gibeonites are around the corner. Um, and they say, well, we can't go back. We made a treaty in the Lord's name. And so the Gibeonites are actually preserved, although they are made... Uh, slaves to serve in in, in the sort of around the temple, um, but they they are preserved so so god God does save some of the the Canaanites uh, we see rahab those who who are willing to fear him, God saves them. Chapter ten is a supernatural act of the sun standing still now the the Canaanites. Like the Egyptians, also worship the sun. It's a common god. It's a, I mean, if you're going to worship something, the sun is a good one. It's a good one to worship. I would, you know, it's, it is amazing, it's stunning. So, <laughs> so, so when can you see how this is an attack on the Canaanite god, because the sun stands still. Uh, they're allowed to just... Care, care. The sun now works for Joshua so that they can keep mm-hmm. killing Canaanites. Um, How long was it still
3: for? Was it like 40 minutes or
0: something? Uh, no, I think it's longer. Um, to sit for about a whole day. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, then the story continues, and it's it's very victorious. They just it's victory after victory. They conquer this king and that king, and conquests in different areas of Canaan and um, the different areas that they they get. But we also find there's a like a second part from chapter thirteen. Lands still to be conquered, for example, the Philistines. The Philistines, as you know, are a constant thorn in the side of Israel's flesh. Uh, David, much later on, is always having problems with the Philistines. and So, it's you read part of Joshua, and it sounds like the Israelites are just winning, kicking everyone out, destroying everyone, getting the victory. And then you start to read, no, not completely. It's not that the Lord's promises have failed. Even for us today, has the Lord... Has the Lord won? Yes, He has. But theologians talk about the the already and the not yet. So, yes, Christ has won and conquered already. We are as people. If you're a Christian, you already have eternal life. But not yet do you have everything. We still get sick, we still sin, we still die. So the kingdom has come Christ has come the king has come the messiah has come the kingdom has come But not fully yet okay. And so it's a picture of that God is fulfilling his promises to give them the land um, But then we see not not fully and then we also start to see Their own sin and their own rebellion. That's why they're not winning as they as they should be but we also we were told that the Lord would also not give them instant victory because he said, if I give you instant victory and you take the whole land immediately, um, you won't be able to, to, you're too small to patrol it all properly. Wild animals will start to come in. Weeds will start to come in. So you'll you will actually, even the Lord actually said, you will take it slowly, little by little, just so that the land... Uh, doesn't doesn't uh, fall to pieces, sort of thing. Okay. So you grow into your inheritance. yes, that's <laughs> uh, okay. And all the way through, then we start to see the, that that um, there's a list of who gets the land, and mm-hmm. this this can sort of for us maybe be quite boring as you read it. It's a lot of you know for this tribe from this land from from this river to this river this is your land, but remember. For the original audience and for the Israelites, this is this is critical. I mean, this is if you've been told this is this is your piece of land, like it's it's your life, that's your livelihood, that's very very important to you. Yes, Duncan. Um,
3: so, just for clarity, um, all of these different like tribes and stuff like that, do they all fall under King?
0: Or? The la- the ones that they've been that they're fighting against. Yes.
3: Or is it just <clears throat> that region
0: and can back to you? Yes, I think Canaanite is sort of a catch-all for, okay. for sort of the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, okay. the Hivites, the Hittites. It's it's sort of a bit of a catch-all, although there were sort of distinct Canaanites, but I think it's um, a little bit of a catch-all for all of those tribes around okay. there. You know. Yeah, because
1: they all serve the same type of gods.
0: The, the well, Baal. Yeah, Baal yeah Baal and yeah. Ashtaroth I mean. yeah okay so uh, there's a lot uh, quite a lot of chapters that deal with with the land there's the cities of refuge there are, there are to be these cities of refuge in in um, each area so a city of refuge is if you kill someone by mistake um, you could flee there and so you wouldn't. So you know, if your brother gets killed by someone, and you just want to get that guy, but it was accidental, it wouldn't be right for you. But maybe you're really angry, and a, <laughs> uh, that person could flee to a city of refuge. Um, and so the lists are given there. Uh, the 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 all the different tribes. Chapter twenty two. They're heading there in the ESV, the Eastern tribes return home. So remember, again, from I think it was last week, the the Jordan River. On the Eastern side, remember that some of the tribes said they'll take their inheritance on this side. And uh, they said, okay, that's fine. The Lord said, that's fine. But you must still go and fight. And only once... Your brothers, the other tribes have got their land. Then you can go back. And so chapter 22, we see they get to go back now. They kept their word. Mm-hmm. And all the tribes have, have um, their inheritance. Maybe not fully, but, but uh, they've, they've got some land now and some cities, every single tribe. So in a general way, the promise is fulfilled, okay? but not in a comprehensive way. Then we come to the end of Joshua's life, and uh, chapter 23, verse 1 says, A long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies, and Joshua was old and well-advanced in years, Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders and heads, its judges and officers, and said to them, I am now old and well-advanced in years, and you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. Okay so he's now he's sort of on his deathbed and these are his final words to to Israel. Remember we saw that with Moses as well. Deuteronomy was his sort of farewell speech where he warned Israel. He re, reiterated the law. He gave the 10 commandments again in chapter 5 and he 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 spoke to them and then he at the end he gave them these blessings and curses. And Joshua does the same thing to Israel. Um, He tells them what they must do. Look at verse 6. Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left. Okay, that sounds... What does that remind us of? Be very strong and keep all the... Well, it's chapter 1. Remember what the Lord had said to to Joshua? Be strong and courageous. Do everything that I commanded Moses, all the law of Moses. Do what I told you to do. He's now telling the next generation to do this. Uh, Verse 7, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. But you shall cling to the Lord your God, just as you have done to this day. Okay, and so the warning not to be seduced by by the false nations, by these, uh, sorry, false gods of the surrounding nations, not to mix with them, not to intermarry with them. And again, remember as last time, the issue was not racial. It was belief. Okay. Um, what stands today? Uh, What? With not to mix... Nations, like
4: saying, be familiar. You know what I mean? Is it like the same With uh, as expected for Christians? To not be familiar with other nations, other beliefs.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. the principle for us is the same. Not to not to intermarry with unbelievers.
4: Just intermarry. Or what was?
0: Exactly like what, what Just in or so they would, they would... Um, uh,
4: befriend, or what, where, where does it, where do you draw the line? You know what I'm saying? Where, what exactly was he saying to them, specifically? So, so... Um, is Isolate?
0: No, no. No, No, so Israel is a, is a, um, a physical picture okay. of... Of sort of spiritual realities, so uh, the, even as we go into Leviticus, dietary laws, things like circumcision, all of those things were to make Israel different on a physical level now that 's not our focus that 's not what we are called to we don 't have a uniform, we don 't have different food that we eat that sets us apart. We are to be different in our ethic in, in holiness and how we live. And obviously, not in idolatry, so we're not to we're not to you know worship false gods um but uh we are not to withdraw from unbelievers. Remember paul says that in in uh to the Corinthians. they misunderstood him because um, he said you know there's a there's somebody who's committing adultery sleeping with his mother in law in the church withdraw from people like that. And then they took it to mean anyone who sins sexually we must withdraw from. And then Paul says, I'm not talking about people in the world. He says, then you're going to have to live out of the world. (laughs) He says, I'm talking about in the church. If people are immoral in the church, church discipline must take place. Mm -hmm. He wasn't saying, don't interact with unbelievers because we have to and we are are to be in the world but not of the world. Mm -hmm. And, of course, nobody will be saved if we withdraw. Yeah, Uh, obviously. So, um, yeah, I I think it's uh, um, the philosophies of the world that they don't influence us, Mm. which
4: is very easy if they're your best friends. The if
0: if you yeah yeah, yeah. so if you best
4: friends with people that are so yeah that's just because it's not it's obviously not clearly defined, but when you're raising your kids and you. You know, they obviously have best friends and friends and people that they hang yeah. out with. What you'd encourage and what you wouldn't and what you think is okay. You know what I mean? Because we all know that bad company... Corrupts good manners, always yeah. Always corrupts you. So no matter how strong you are as a Christian, that little bit of influence always... Always has some kind of... An, yeah. yeah. Some kind of factor in your kid's life. Even if it's a slow thing, but... Yeah, it's just something that I was thinking.
0: Yeah, I don't think it. a believer... Uh, a believer certainly, their best friends should not be unbelievers, but having unbelieving friends is nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah. In fact, Jesus is known as a friend of sinners. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's just perfect. He couldn't be
4: imperfect.
0: <laughs> but <laughs> he's our he's our he's, he's our friend, he's right? our model. Yeah, yeah.
4: yeah. yeah.
0: It, it, We're certainly not called to Christian ghettos or to yeah, silos. Or to. Yeah. yeah so we're not yes, yeah. called to that so we have to the church is swung between these things yeah and it's it's not right so either they like totally worldly yes. or they, or they go live on a mountain.
4: more often it's and, it's friendship with the world a lot of friendship with yeah. the world which then I've seen influence the Christian walk and then yeah it kind of it just kind of um, how I say makes your testimony completely insignificant
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have to be very careful on, on that, but, I mean, but not to be myself, legalistic. I'm yeah. About
4: myself. I'm talking about things I've seen. I'm talking about other kids I've seen. I'm talking about just Christian people I've seen in this situation. And like I was just thinking when that came
0: up. Yeah. Yeah, as long as we don't go beyond Scripture, hmm. um, and and make our preferences yeah, or style, it must be what Scripture says. So. Um, but the two extremes of, of worldliness or legalism, licentiousness or legalism, those, those are to be avoided. Uh, sorry, we've got a question from online.
2: Uh, what happened to Hebron? Uh, God promised it to Caleb as part of the land he scouted, but then it became one of the cities of refuge. How does the promise to Caleb get fulfilled? <clears throat> sorry, they a bit, uh, <laughs> uh, It's come through now.
0: Uh sure I I, I don't know um, but I mean I I think a city of refuge doesn't mean it as far as I understand it doesn't mean that that nobody else lives there it just means that it it would be like if this was your city it's also going to be used as a city of refuge so I don't know if there's a contradiction. It's called Australia it. now.
4: Sure. Yeah yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> okay so uh chap- I just want to finish chapter twenty three and twenty four. Verse 11 of chapter 23, uh, he says, thanks. He says, be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. So love the Lord. That's what we are called to, devotion to the Lord. Uh, Israel was to love the Lord. Uh, Verse 12, for if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. But there shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from off this good ground. Which is all what Moses said in Deuteronomy, and what we'll start to see in Judges, okay? Um, Chapter 24, then, there's this covenant renewal, um, and... Verse 14, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now he has to say that, which tells us this guy is still, there's still idol worship. He says, put away. Then he says this, it's quite remarkable. And if it is an evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So he says, choose this day, and it's quite something. He doesn't say choose if you're going to serve these false gods and serve the Lord. He says, choose which false gods you're going to serve. Okay, notice what he says there. The gods from beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, for it is the Lord our God. Um, And they said, We will serve the Lord. Then, verse 19, But Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then He will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. He said, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. And so there's a covenant made, and it's written down, and uh, there are stones put there as a witness that they made this commitment. But Joshua is really challenging them, and it's still true. You know, unless the Lord works in a, in our hearts, we're not able to serve the Lord. We can't say, no, I'll do it. I'm, I've got it all together. It's by God's grace. Okay. Um, He lives to 110 years, which is sort of seen as the like a perfect age. Uh, I forget who else. I think it's um, Joseph lives to 110. And they buried him in his own inheritance at Timnah. Verse 31, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. Um, but then we'll see that the next generation doesn't, doesn't serve the Lord. And that's often, often what happens is that um, uh, the sort of third generation stops, stops serving the Lord. And and uh, people who have studied history and that say what happens is that the generation that gets saved um, preaches the gospel because they're so amazed at God's grace and they love the gospel and they preach it. Their children uh, assume the gospel. They don't preach it so much because they assume. You know, we know the gospel. They start talking about other things and then their children don't hear the gospel. All they learn is... Do this, do that. Don't do this. Be a nice person. Be kind, etc., etc. They learn morality and no longer the gospel. And Duncan.
3: So, on um, touching on what you just said now. Um, so, at the end of the book of Joshua, am I right in saying that the Israelites are at a place where they are comfortable? Where they're like, okay, we have our land now. We've conquered what we can conquer.
0: Or is that correct in the same? It's a tension. Are they, are they settled? Yeah, yeah. It's a tension. That's the, that's the things that in scripture there's always a tension, and there's a, the tension here is, hey, we've conquered the land, but we haven't conquered the land. Okay. So that's what you see in in Joshua is a sort of like they they conquered the whole land, and then you read again, and it's no, not so much. There's all these other false oh, nations okay. are still there. Okay. Um, and so. It it's, it's still left hanging. Like, okay, okay what's going to happen? Um, so
3: does God specifically? So in terms of God's, God wants them to conquer the, everything.
0: Yes. Okay. God wants them to drive out. I see. The the okay. the.
3: But then there's obviously doubt in there.
0: Yeah, and, they, and start doing
3: their own thing.
0: they start doing their own thing. Uh, and like you said, they stu- yeah. some of them do get comfortable. Like, I, like, why do I have to do I that see. anymore? I'm tired of fighting. i enough land. I'm, I'm okay here. No, 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 no. Um, uh, remember, we saw with, with Balaam mm. how the Moabites seduced the the Israelites. So, so I think, well, these women are quite pretty. Mm. You know, they're also, you know... They also believe in a God, you know, so they're not atheists. So, (laughs) you know, you know, uh, yeah, so, and, and, and of course, pagan religion is far more sensual and sexually immoral. So it's mm -hmm. more appealing to the flesh. So all of these things, they're still there. That's why Joshua says, look, put away. You guys are still not loving God properly. No, we will love him. No, you can't do it no, we, we will do it, we will do it. Mm. But he just simply says, okay, but as for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Um, okay. But it's, so it's left sort of, we don't know which way it's going to go. And judges then is going to show us it doesn't go well.
3: Uh, okay. so, <laughs> the, so, so the next generation in which you say they stopped serving the Lord, they, they didn't necessarily, or they, they weren't necessarily born into there was there were still challenges for
1: the Israelites to face.
0: They so well, we'll see in Judges okay. the cycle, cool. how it works. So this,
1: this generation hit the, the, the fox in the house. So no, they started dabbling the with other yeah. religions. Yeah. And other well, it says it says, it yeah. says says <laughs> this
0: generation was faithful and and the next generation. So it does say that. Um, they had
1: slaves that were from, from other had...
0: But they feared God. Because it says there, the Gibeonites did fear God. Okay. Yeah, it says they feared God. That's why they came and made a plan. Because they heard, they knew these guys are going to take us out. No, yeah, but Satan and the demons fear God. No, but I think the way it's worded, it's like Rahab. Rahab feared God. Still, her motive is fear. Like we heard about what happened. Yeah, but those God. religious must have infiltrated somehow. It's because they didn't kill the other nations. Oh. Uh, it's not through the Gibeonites okay, so much, oh. and then they oh. start to intermarry. Yeah. But that's later on. Oh, yeah. What we're seeing here is, is Friendship uh, with them. Uh, just not trusting God enough with it doesn't give us a lot of detail. at this obedience. point. Later later on it gives us they. Not, not obedience. They're, 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 um, yeah. Sorry, Possibly just I'm I mean, sorry to like label this, but just to
2: clarify, when you say other nations, is it like you said, they didn't fully conquer the land. So geographically They've, they're now dwelling in the land, yes. and it's like you know, someone from uh, maybe Limpopo coming uh, up to Joburg. So, you <laughs> so yeah. it would be like this
0: that they they um,
2: the, the nations are still within the land. So that by nations they mean people groups of you know, other or is it neighboring nations
0: outside? So, the so let's say this is the the area that's given to a tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, within that, there would still be stronghold cities that they haven't defeated. Yeah, they've sort of, you know, conquered this yeah. land, but there's sort of pockets here that's not completely taken. Okay, so like Voltafrido Park. You know, yeah, like a an area, area yeah. yeah, like
1: Swaziland is in South, South Africa, yeah, Africa, yeah. So it's yeah, that's a good analogy. Ah, I see. So,
0: yeah. so so there's still cities they haven't yet taken, but overall you can say they've taken the land, but there's areas that are not taken, and what we're going to see in Judges, you have to wait. <laughs> so let's take a let's take a break.
4: <laughs> we need to call this one. we Let just take a break. No. That's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all
2: right, guys. Um, we're just gonna take a quick break. We'll be back. So, um, yeah, you'll just join from the same link. Um, otherwise, you can uh, stay on the meeting. Cheers. Uh,